Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. For the last two months, employees who work at Metro's nature parks and at the Oregon Zoo have been working under an expired contract. Employees are asking for hazard pay during extreme weather, extra days off when dealing with traumatic situations on the job, and higher pay across the board. Negotiations are ongoing. We wanted to get a sense for how these jobs have changed in recent years and what they are like for employees. Marina Garcia works in guest services at the Oregon Zoo. Kendra Carrillo works in operations for Metro's Parks and Nature. They both join me now. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Kendra, first, what was your path to get you to Metro? What was your path to working at Metro? Well, I, I suppose I'd say my path was working in natural areas and my passion for uh, working in, in around people. Um, my background's in natural resources. I have a degree in wildlife management. And um, coming out of college, I was hired on with Metro, uh, working out at Oxbow Regional Park. Um, I worked out there as a lead park ranger for a number of years. Um, been with Metro for about 18 years, but that was sort of my pathway in. And uh, yeah, a lot has changed over the course of those 18 years, specifically the last, um, I'd say, probably four to six years. Well, I'm curious, but when you started, what was the job like? Uh, the job was uh, primarily visitor engagement, um, working out at Oxbow Park. It was a lot of river safety. Um, it was um, maintenance, uh, facilities maintenance and grounds maintenance, and just providing sort of welcoming um, welcoming experience to visitors, uh, being available to answer questions, um, all of that sort of good stuff, a lot of trail work. Uh, so those are the primary responsibilities at that time. And you said that about four years ago, that's when things changed. What kinds of changes did you first notice? Well, I think the, the biggest changes that we've seen um, in the Portland metro area has been um, the sort of added responsibilities that are associated with the houseless crisis. Also, um, huge increase in opioid use and drug addiction. And also mental, mental illness. And so staff has taken on a lot of added responsibilities associated with some of those new uh, types of visitor um, interactions. It seems fair to say, certainly based on the way you described your own path to, to starting work, that, that, that those challenges, they, they seem very different from what you thought you were getting yourself into uh, if you came from sort of a, a, a wilderness management or or you know park employee uh, mentality yeah the uptick in emergency response um, in our day-to-day -day work and also the social work um, associated with the the visitor engagement piece that's all changed drastically um, it used to be a lot of education around uh, natural resources and um, protecting you know, our valuable resources. And, and now it's a lot of social work and trying to understand, you know, really working with visitors through a trauma-informed care lens and trying to become experts in that um, subject matter so that we can, you know, keep ourselves safe and also um, help the community. So yeah, big changes. Mm -hmm. 
I kind of I want to hear more from you and and about the, the current job. But as I noted, Marina Garcia is with us as well, who works in guest services at the Oregon Zoo. What about you? What was your path to becoming a zoo employee? Um, well, I came from a customer service background. I joined the zoo in 2021. Um, I also have a degree in biology, so I definitely had an interest in working around other people that cared about what I did and uh, mainly being conservation. Um, so, yeah, that's how I came to be at my place at the zoo. How long have you been there? Uh, about two years. Okay. So a, a shorter time to, to see changes than, than Kendra has seen. What's an average day like right now? Um, I'd say an average day as a guest service lead would definitely be a little overwhelming. So we're already helping our team with their daily jobs, providing backup to help with some not-so-happy visitors, uh, ticket issues, membership problems, website issues, as well as helping with uh, emergencies that will sometimes have a, require us to call in direct emergency or even uh, lease response into the zoo, um, as well as uh, answering and directing calls for the entire zoo. Um, Additionally, in the past couple of years, management has introduced a help feature on our website that we manage as well. And uh, we've definitely picked up a couple of responsibilities when the education department dissolved in 2020. They're just now starting to rebuild, but we've uh, basically taken over for all of the field trip organization and payments. And uh, we've also had some similar issues with the membership department since they've gone to work from home. We don't have any uh, representatives on site. So uh, guest service leads have essentially taken over that position. Hmm. You mentioned sometimes dealing with not so happy visitors or uh, actually having to call in police. How common is that? Um, it really depends on the day. Sometimes if the weather's worse, we'll end up having a lot more medical emergencies where we will have to call EMS. Um, but I'd say as far as like police response, it's not too often. Kendra Carrillo, I, I want to play folks um, a part of testimony that was given by Samantha McCarroll, who is a, a Metro Park Ranger. This was to Metro counselors not long ago. I was hired as a park ranger pre-pandemic. The expectations have changed immensely since then. We work in the midst of the houseless and mental health crisis, making contacts and trying to help people in need. We clean up camps and post constantly. We are tired. My feelings are tired. My compassion is exhausted. They're working on us carrying Narcan to deal with people overdosing in our parks and our cemeteries. We clean up hypodermic needles strewn through the parks. I have pulled a half-dead woman out of a car with a needle in her arm to perform CPR waiting for the paramedics. I'll never forget her face. How common are stories like Samantha's? Unfortunately, these are very common when I hear these, when I hear this one specifically from Sam, it kind of chokes me up a little bit, but this is the reality. Um, these are things that we're dealing with weekly. Uh, it is, it is truly as she describes it. Um, we talk a lot about, um, maintaining, you know, mental wellness within our own work groups, um, and what it means to have compassion fatigue. And so, you know, we're working amongst ourselves to just try and continue doing what we love doing, which is working in parks and working with our, our with the public and serving our visitors to the best of our ability. But um, this is, uh, yeah, this 
what Sam describes here is something that occurs um, almost weekly and sometimes multiple times in a week. So in varying degrees and, and in, uh, presents itself in different ways. Uh, but yeah, this is this is what we're doing in the parks that we're, we're, we're providing services for right now. What kind of toll does that have on you and and other staff? Um, to be quite honest and, and frank, um, it, it has a, a very severe toll. So we are constantly, our staff are constantly cycling in and out of needing to take uh, extra days off to um, maintain, a, you know, positive wellness. Uh, so we're in a constant cycle of employee shortage. Uh, we're never fully staffed. We've had, we've seen impacts uh, with our variable hour employees, our seasonal employees in the summer who have come on, uh, not, th- well, initially thinking that they're going to be working in parks and doing trail work. And then they're kind of in the thick of it with, with the, the full-time staff and the ranger teams. Um, Do you, working I mean, if you're a part of hiring these days, whether it's for seasonal staff or full-time, how much of a heads up do you give people about what they really should be expecting? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we do um, we do let let our staff know or potential employees know that these are some of the associated job duties, but I don't think they quite understand what that means or how that affects them until they're in it. Also, um, training has been very challenging when we haven't been able to hire people on in one large group. So we're we're kind of um, our training has been pretty scattered, um, and resources have been limited. So it's it's been tough. I think that it is coming out of the pandemic, and um, things are getting a little bit easier, and we're kind of moving back into more of a, a scheduled program. But uh, it's it's been very very challenging. Um, while they, you know, our seasonal staff may know you can, you know, we can talk through it, but once you, once you live it, it's a different scenario. What are you hoping for from Metro as a response to this? I think for Metro to, um, Metro to truly understand the changes in our job responsibilities, um, to provide hazard, uh, pay where hazard pay is, is, should be, um, given also to continue, um, you know, training and education around what's happening in the city and, and, and to provide, uh, financial support to our staff members, whether that's in, um, paid days off to manage our own mental wellness or, um, additional compensation for, for these traumatic incidents that staff are going through. Because uh, at the end of the day, um, with wages and uh, inflation the, that we've seen over the last few years, uh, there's nothing worse than working through a very traumatic situation only to come home and going through your own trauma when you're barely you know, able to afford to pay your bills. And so we're looking for some compensation and some um, acknowledgement that that these positions are difficult and um, continuing to support staff in training and resources. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the challenges that employees at metros, parks, and natural areas and at the Oregon Zoo are facing these days. 
Kendra Carrillo works in operations for Metro's Parks and Nature. Marina Garcia works in guest services at the zoo. Marina, I want to play um, one more excerpt from testimony that was given to Metro Council. This is Jason DeLibero, who is a zookeeper. Over the last few years, we faced a global pandemic, an increase in local wildfires, and related poor air quality, extreme temperatures, and national and local political unrest. During that time, we were asked to do more with less, and we did. We sacrificed, we were flexible, we were understanding, we risked our health and safety, we were patient amid countless changes. Now, Metro is refusing to discuss and negotiate safety protections and pay. They're showing their appreciation of our efforts by communicating that they have no desire to pay for work done in hazardous conditions. We have no desire to work in hazardous conditions, but the reality is that that's required of us. So Marina, Jason is talking there about hazardous conditions like extreme temperatures and, and bad air quality. What has that meant for zoo employees? Um, a lot of times it means that employees are suffering heat or cold related illness or sometimes even having to go home early because they're feeling ill from such terrible uh, air quality. Uh, for a lot of people, that means losing out on hours for some variable hour employees who definitely need it at times like these. I, my understanding, my assumption is that some of these jobs are are necessarily outside, not always, but at times. I mean, what exactly would you want the zoo or, or Metro, the, the you know parent large organization, to do in terms of whether it's air quality or very cold days or very hot days? Uh, so I think we're definitely looking for hazard pay in instances of cold weather and um, poor air quality. And Metro management has, you know, not only, like Jason said, told us that they have no desire to compensate us for working in hazardous conditions, but they've said that the pay that we receive already factors in the hazard of working outdoors. And guest service employees are currently making sixteen fifty five an hour. So I'm not really sure how that factors in outdoor hazards. I should note that we did reach out to Metro about uh, in anticipation of this conversation, and they sent us this statement. We continue to meet weekly at the bargaining table, and both parties are negotiating in good faith. We hope to reach an agreement soon. Marina, we heard just now from Kendra about um, inflation and pay. How has a, a couple years of, uh, of really intense inflation affected Metro employees? Uh, it's definitely hit a lot of us very hard. I know that myself and a lot of my coworkers have to work outside to supplement our income. Personally, I donate my plasma as often as twice a week. Uh, to be able to afford uh, some of my expenses and to be also able to have uh, some savings available in case of an emergency because most of us are working paycheck to paycheck. Kendra, is that true for uh, parks and nature employees as well? Absolutely. Yeah. All the folks that I've talked to are, are in very similar um, situations where they're, they're utilizing some resources for um, supplemental food uh, to get their families through the month. Um, I know for me personally, um, over the course of the last three years, I've taken on uh, three roommates just to um, be able to maintain paying, you know, paying my bills and, and being able to feed myself and, and, and get myself to work each day. So 
um, yeah, this it's absolutely true. Um, and there's a lot of stories very similar to to mine and to Marina's out there. I mean, Kendra would would money would would more money whether it's it's just at, as base pay or um, it's specifically tied to traumatic situations um, that employees are, are necessarily responding to. Would that be enough to have you and other people continue with these jobs where y- you regularly encounter overdoses or people in the midst of serious mental health crises? I- is money enough for you to keep doing this? Well, in a lot of cases, absolutely not. I would say that the position um, the position as it is today uh, takes a certain type of person to be able to manage um, uh, day in and day out. I think that over time, um, the job is very taxing mentally. And I think that's also why we're talking a lot about um, increasing vacation time and providing some uh, supplemental days off for, for mental wellness of staff, not necessarily, you know, sick days, but days where they just need to, um, take some time for themselves to be with their friends or family or be in a space that, that brings them some happiness or peace. Um, but in terms of the, the pay itself, I think you are really just trying to get back up, you know, trying to get these wages up to, to co- accommodate for, I mentioned earlier, the inflation and we've done some comp, of several comp studies and, and I can provide you with an example of that. So, um, Metro, uh, park rangers and maintenance staff prior to the increase of the city of Portland, um, were at about 10 and percent more than the city of Portland. And that was in fact, um, because of the, the duties and the responsibilities and licenses and certifications that Metro rangers have over of any other park ranger within, within the Portland Metro area. But since the city of Portland recently agreed to to their wage increases, city of Portland Rangers are now making about 17% more than Metro Rangers. And that's really only if we were to receive just a two and a half percent COLA, um, which would have been on July 1st as Metro had originally proposed. But um, so you can see that we're, we're really, there's a huge gap there. Um, and we just really need to get, get back to, to uh, sort of a baseline to, to make up for, for the cost of living increases. And also, um, the compensation uh, studies that we have done show, you know, Metro Rangers have a, a much wider, uh, broader variety of responsibilities and licenses that they have to hold. So that's why those were historically paid so much more. And we're being, we're Metro Rangers are being paid so much less now. So it's, and with all the added responsibilities, the added, um, the social work that's happening and, and the emergency responses that we're, that we're, you know, dealing with is, um, it's huge. It's, it's a lot. So, it's definitely not going to be for for everybody day in and day out. And I think um, it will take a certain person to continue um, working in this kind of environment if we don't see some changes. Kendra and Marina, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Kendra Carrillo works in operations for Metro's Parks and Nature. Marina Garcia works in guest services at the Oregon Zoo. Coming up tomorrow, maternal mortality rates in Oregon have risen over the last 20 years. They've doubled nationwide with the highest increase among Native Americans. We'll talk with one of the lead researchers of a recent maternal mortality study. 
If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR One app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. A nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Thank you.